one of the challenges for any business is what am I doing? What difference am I doing? How am I improving the world? You know, when I'm nailing this nail into this wire onto this thing, right? It's a challenge for a business to make it meaningful, to give purpose to people's lives. Well, we're fortunate in that providing mobility to help people who can't walk on their own to be able to move around in their world and move around effectively is truly a very profound feeling. Welcome to Profile Central Wisconsin, a podcast about the origins of the organizations that make our community thrive. I'm Benjamin Nuss, your co-host and the campus dean of Mid-State Technical College's Stevens Point campus. As always, I'll be joined by Todd Kukan, executive director of the Portage County Business Council. But first, I want to share a story. When I was in fourth grade, my teacher brought in her boyfriend as a guest speaker. He was a quote unquote inventor, you know, inventor with a capital I. He shared with us his product ideas and we were all of course dutifully impressed. I remember that one invention was a device that held open a garbage bag so that one could more easily rake in leaves unassisted. An innovative solution to a perennial problem, I know. It was then that I learned an inventor could actually be a profession. I imagine he had business cards that read, Mr. So-and-so, comma, inventor. What I didn't realize then is that it takes so much more than just a good idea to become an entrepreneur. It takes a tremendous amount of time to fundamentally understand an industry before one can hope to improve it. I also didn't realize that most inventions are not wholesale changes, but incremental marginal improvements that act to differentiate a product in the market. The wheel isn't reinvented, it's refined. In this episode of Profile, Todd and I visit with Doug Muncy, president of Key Mobility. Doug is a modern day inventor and entrepreneur. After years of experience selling products in the rehab industry, he ventured out with a partner to start a business building wheelchairs for the long-term disabled. In just 15 years, they've taken key mobility from a workshop in a barn to a leading global brand. Here's the story of key mobility from Doug. The story of key mobility starts in 2005, but we'd like to go a little bit further back than that. So you and your partner, Murray, have a combined 50 years of experience in the rehab industry. Can you take us back to the beginning? Like, had you set out to work in this field? Um, well, for me personally, uh, I hadn't set out. Uh, my undergraduate degree was in sports medicine. But back then, back in the day, as they say, <laughs> uh, almost exclusively done as an adjunct to being a teacher, hmm. whether in college or in uh, high school. Did you teach some? Uh, I have an undergraduate teaching degree, but I decided in student teaching that wasn't my <laughs> best career path. Um, so I tried to find, a, you know, take, get a job within the the industry that supports um, athletic training and sports medicine. In the, in these rehab centers, in the spinal cord injury centers, there's a lot of collaboration with physical therapists, and there's a very close relationship between sports medicine and physical therapy. Um, so I found that the knowledge that I had from sports medicine served me well working within, in that market and communicating and understanding the needs of physical therapists. Um, so I went in through that avenue and into the, to the wheelchair business. 
Um, and so I, it was one of those things where it just sort of evolved. So what, what, was, what was your first job then? My first job yeah. was a, a sell, selling wheelchairs hmm. to, you know, in a local community. Well, the local community was Philadelphia, so <laughs> it was a fairly large local community. Did you grow up in Philadelphia? No, I grew up outside of Boston. Huh. Yeah. But I went to school uh, outside of Philadelphia. So you go to school for sports medicine. Yeah. You, and you, you realize that you don't want to teach. But I, I, I see it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty similar field, right? To understand mm-hmm. sports, you have to understand how the body moves. Right. And so I think you can yeah. probably speak to people maybe that have injuries. Having yeah. played sports, I've dealt right. with a lot of injuries. Sports medicine is, a, um, you know, it's related to physical therapy and orthopedics. So it's specifically about the the injuries and the treatment of those injuries that would result from sports. In your first job, how do you, how do you sell a wheelchair? How, do you, how, how are you selling these products? Well, it's not like a door-to-door salesperson. I mean, the people are there. You're basically selling yourself as a resource to a physical therapist uh, in, in, in that hospital, that when, when you have a client who needs a wheelchair, you want to call me because I know a lot of information and I can best help you configure that chair to best beat that, meet that person's needs. So that's really where the selling is. Um, the wheelchair then becomes a byproduct of whatever this person needs to make maximize their ability to, you know, get around in their environment. One of the things that stands out to me about your products is it's not just selling a product, you're selling empowerment, right? You're, you're, enabling them to to live a life that they want to live i think that's a great product what other what other were you selling other products at that time outside of wheelchairs too to help primarily wheelchairs and related products okay like what would be some related things like uh the backs and like on a chair that we sit on the back and the cushion are integrated into the chair and you think of the chair as the frame as well as the seat in the back wheelchairs the frames are independent in many respects of the of the seating and so people get the right kind of cushion and the right kind of back and then they meld it together with the right frame to make it so that they all work together so were you good at sales i was okay at it yeah <laughs> you're okay did did you enjoy I, it did I, you have a passion for it yeah yeah and and how long um w- were you in sales uh four or five years and then what uh, I went into product development. For what, what company? For a company uh, called Sunrise Medical. How, how did you get involved in product development? I think in sales, to sell a product, you have to really understand how it works and, and its components. Yeah. So that helped you kind of understand what yeah. was good product. Understanding what's not available, what we should <laughs> yeah. do, because this isn't, a, this isn't available. Yeah, so, so you... I, I also wanted to get into management. I got my MBA, and, uh, you know. I, I had a path that I wanted to take once I understood what some of the options were. Uh, I wanted to, you know, to advance in the company. So you, you got your, your MBA while you were doing sales in those yes. first four years. Yes. So kind of going to school part-time. And- mm-hmm. so, so looking at your sales, your sales background, your sales experience, how did what you learned there help you in developing products and wheelchairs and those sorts of things? Um, un- understanding that... Um, therapists or for the therapists for the most part weren't necessarily brand loyal they're they're looking for solutions for their for their clients and so you have to be open to the idea that there isn't that there's not one answer there's lots of different choices and the ability to 
create the most options that can work for a person is key. It, you know, there's a, the idea that we, this is ours and it's the best. And no matter what objection you have to it, I'm going to come up with an answer that's going to make it so that I think you understand that it's not, that it is the best. But the person's just sitting there going, okay, yeah, might as well finish talking. And then they buy something else because it isn't meeting all of their needs that they need to meet. So creating, you know, a menu of choices that people can choose and, and modify the product to meet, to best meet their need uh, is, that's critical. So at what point yeah, did you yeah. know that you so wanted to start you your own company? Well, knowing is when I needed a job <laughs> and what can I do? And I'd like to know, I've, I started uh, my own company in college um, and started doing home repairs and house painting and stuff like that roofing um, and the first year was just me and then I got a bunch of friends to help me and I spent my time going and getting new jobs and bidding and quoting those jobs and sourcing the materials and and so I had my own business and uh, I liked it so this was, this was in college <laughs> and you just uh, you, you've had this entrepreneurial yeah it's sort of been in the back corner I wasn't <laughs> gonna create a career out of doing that I mean it's obviously possible people yeah. do um, but I enjoyed the running a business. What really motivated you to start? The idea that the person who—I don't know if you want to put this one in your podcast—but the guy, the idea that the guy who owned the business made most of the money. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> so, I, I, from a guy who I was working with and uh, on a project when it was just myself and how he quoted, it's like, well, I, I charge you know fifty dollars an hour. I pay my guys fifteen dollars an hour and. And I make $35 an hour and I'm not an idiot. <laughs> so, you know, if you're doing that on a large project, I mean, wow, you, you I'm making pretty guy. good month money. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if I, if I bill them $5,000 and I'm only paying my guys a thousand dollars, I made a lot of money on that project and yet my guys are happy. Yeah. So we're going to zoom forward to the start of key mobility. So what can you tell us about the early days and, and how you came up with this idea and form a partnership? Um, conversationally, my partner and I, we used to work together for many years and wanted to design a chair that was better performing, that was lighter in weight and yet was um, more rigid, which would be better performing. So we really worked through that and came you, up with an idea that was patentable. You had a better mousetrap. We had mind. a better mousetrap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and going through the process of being able to build it, being able to make it so it could be affordable because wheelchairs are a medical device and they get reimbursed. So they have to fit within, you know, what, what insurance companies or Medicare or Medicaid are going to pay for. Can't be really expensive or people won't do it. I mean, a few people might pay cash for it. So there's a lot of work going into setting up a company. There's a lot of work going into creating and designing the product and making sure it works. My partner focused a lot of efforts on the engineering, and I focused on all the other elements, you know, uh, setting up the company and the operating system and for the, you know, our ERP system, and all of our processes, hiring salespeople, hiring our first customer service person, which, you know, we didn't have that person until we'd actually already 
gone live, we figured if for whoever called us in in the first few weeks, we could probably answer the phone call. <laughs> yeah, so a, a, a hallmark of, of a good kind of startup business is that you do have a partnership, that you do have these, these uh, two divergent traits that can come together. The story here is that this, this business started in a garage or, or a barn. So tell me about, about how you made this the, the very first product. Well, Murray, uh, Murray has a farm. We built it in his barn. He's got some machine tools in his barn. And yeah, we, we built the parts and put it together. Um, he had a friend who was a welder, so he welded up the tubes and we put it together in his barn. It's just as simple as that. And I worked out of my house and in my garage and put some stuff t together in my basement. And um, it's just what you do when you don't have a lot of money to go spending on, on, on a building or a, you know, shop or something like that is so where, where was this barn it was uh, outside of winnipeg manitoba so not in wisconsin not in wisconsin you're, at some point you're gonna have to tell us how you get to central wisconsin. well he he's a canadian uh-huh so and he worked down here and then he went home to run the family farm and uh so i'm in central wisconsin and uh so it really made more sense for the business to be here. The U.S. is a much bigger market. Mm -hmm. And he was designing product. He'd, having him run the day-to-day didn't make a lot of sense when the best thing for the business would be for him to be designing the next product and then the next product and then the next product. So he focused on designing the products and I focused on running the business. What brought you to Central Wisconsin then? Um, well, Sunrise Medical owned Jerns here. Right. So I worked at Jerns. I was the vice president of uh, marketing and product development at Jerns. Okay. And then uh, Sunrise had a reorganization, and Jerns, instead of being a freestanding business, just became a manufacturing plant. That was back around 2001. So I was a free agent. So I started working on it, and then I did some contracting work and some other work while we were putting the business together. It took a few years to get everything going on the business, design the products. So we formed our, our company in 2005, and it still took the better part of another year before uh, before we were ready to go public. So. Tell us a little bit about your, your first customer. What was, how did that come about? What was that, or your second or whatever? Right. You know, how did that all get? Well, we went to going? a trade show. So we went to a trade show and we were showing our products at a trade show. Um, I don't even remember who our first customer is. One of our first customers was a, a farmer in Detroit, in Michigan. Um, well, he was the consumer of the chair. And um, he he used to ride on his tractor and, you know, from six feet in the air, he would plop down on his wheelchair and about every six months he'd break a wheelchair <laughs> and need another wheelchair. And when I heard this story, I'm thinking, oh, no, you know, our, one of our first experiences is not going to end well. Um, but, you know, at some point he called me and told me this is the first chair he's ever used that didn't break after, you know, four or five months of using it. And not too long after that, I um, I was over and, and he was out somewhere in, outside of Detroit, decided I'd go visit him. And um, he was effusive in his praise for the chair. This is now a year plus after he's had the chair and it's still working for him. And he ended up using that chair for about five years and, and only got another one because it had been scratched and dinged from him throwing it in the barn or throwing it in his pickup. You know, and uh, so like he'd, he'd transfer into his truck and he would 
he's a big, strong guy. And he would just <laughs> toss the chair in, the into the back of the, of the pickup truck. And uh, it would get dinged and banged up. So uh, It was a good way to he, test a product, yeah. to give it to a farmer. We did right? very well in, uh, in that area of the country as he told everybody about how good the chair was. And that's the, that word of mouth is very powerful. You started manufacturing them and, and assembling them, but it was before the point that you had a single employee. So you, were you making all the chairs? Uh, well, our first employee was was right around that time. Uh-huh. So pretty quick. But was your first employee helping to assemble? Um, probably somewhat. We, we Murray built most of our first chairs. I built some of our first chairs. In our first year, we probably only built 20 chairs. So year one, you sold? Yeah, well, sold four, four months. Sure. In the first so, four months, you're selling 20 chairs. Correct. Right. Right. So we, we built those chairs. Uh, but then we did hire a couple local guys, you know, to help build the chairs and train them up. So Lisa Higgins was our first employee. And primarily, she was customer service. But she also handled the computer system and and uh, and all the office activities. And eventually she started keeping an eye on the shop and as we had two, three, five, six, eight guys. And I spent a lot of my time on the road trying to sell products. So in those early days, you're out there, you're selling. Um, it looks like your your first facility was uh, Koi Drive, right? Yeah. Um, but that was in 2005. You move again in 2009 again in 2013 and 2016, right? All these signals of, of growth. Tell us a little bit about just how the, the rate of growth that you experienced in those, in those early years. And, and maybe what do you attribute to such fast growth? The growth wasn't, in, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't that much. But the first building was only 4,000 square feet mm-hmm. and the office was six by 10. <laughs> so once you get more than two people, it got really tight in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the second building was, I think it was 9,000 square foot of factory, um, but it had more office. Mm. So as we had more customer service people um, and other other office workers, we needed that space. Uh, and then we, in, in the same space, because it was bays, we picked up the next bay over and we picked up another 4,500 square foot of, of space. So, you know, three 4,500 square foot or, you know, for inventory and having more and more chairs. I mean, the, the key thing was we made a better chair and we focused a lot on, on making sure that the price was the same as everybody else. So, oh yeah, that's a great chair, but I'm not willing to spend more for it was an objection we wanted to make sure we never heard. Mm-hmm. So whatever you're paying now, I'll give it to you for the same price. And we show them that it's a better chair and you pick up business slowly but surely. People use it. They try one because, you know, you're really pressing. But then they realize that you call them back in a few months and have you heard anything? No, matter of fact, that chair went out and I haven't heard a word. Oh, you mean it works and it didn't break on you? Huh? Maybe you could use another one. So, so, so what were some of the things that, that, that uh, made it a better chair? The biggest element is just is geom- geometrical in the design. All of the frame parts as it, the wheelchair opens up uh, reinforce each other, so uh, it's structurally just a lot lot sounder. The front rigging, the footrests that swing away as mm-hmm. people want to use those, they're designed so that the forces that it takes go right back into the chair. So they're, they're, it's not sitting out to the side where if someone hits it, it snaps, something snaps. Um, 
So it's just structurally a lot better. Tighter tolerances on the components so they don't, they're not susceptible to the variation and looseness and falling apart that you find in a lot of products uh, in the market, whether it's a wheelchair or something else. You mentioned uh, when you when, the, when you started the business with Murray, you were doing a lot of the sales, and I imagine that continued for a while. Were you, were you still focusing on physical therapists, the medical community oh, yeah. to sell your product? That's even today. That's our primary customer. Yeah. And then you mentioned the the, the farmer in Michigan who, through word of mouth, so do you also sell a, a proportion of your chairs to individuals, or is it mostly through the? This was through uh, actually a, a small dealer, a small store. Uh, in this small town, I don't remember where the town was, um, who was specifically had gone to a trade show and was looking to solve this person's problem because every chair they ever tried didn't work. And so we were talking about how strong our chair was. And it, this was a woman and she said, I got someone who just might push you. So, <laughs> so, uh, so if I went to, if I went to a store that had wheelchairs and other you know devices for people who need that, could I see a, a Chemobility branded wheelchair? You 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 might. Most of our our products are are custom right. manufactured for an individual user, um, so it's not like people have showrooms with chairs all over them. Um, they might, but they might not. And so, have, have they always been custom manufactured? At at our products, yes. At the category and class of our product, they've always been so custom made. A, a narrative that we hear is that all of our products come from China, that, that we don't make anything in, in America anymore. But yet here you have a globally distributed product made here in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. So why manufacture here? Because well, I lived here. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer, Doug. It's, it's hard enough to start a business without moving and trying to start a business. So, yeah, I mean, really, that's why. I mean, I think... You know, in the in the 21st century, um, logistics aren't as complicated as they might have been in 1950, where your your physical distance from places is is an obstacle. It's less of an obstacle today. It takes a little bit longer to get places shipping from UPS or something mm-hmm. or FedEx. Um, and obviously, airplanes we have to connect to a bigger airplane when we want to go someplace, but. For the most part, it's not really that big of an obstacle. We have a great source of, of workers in central Wisconsin. Um, you know, my experience is that people who, who we hire here are really good. They, they're naturally, especially from customer service perspective, naturally friendly, which really plays very well nationally, um, that, that people like talking to our customer service people. Um, and we have, you know, it's the best in the industry and people just like working with them. So uh, it's a great source of, of, of employees and workers. Um, I, I think it's worked out very well. It started off because I lived here. But the fact of the matter is I most likely would have done worse most other places. More from Doug in a moment. Just a quick break to share some brief announcements. The spring term will be here shortly, so be sure to visit mstc.edu to learn about all of the programs that are starting soon. Our winter continuing education catalog is also now available, so if you're looking to pick up a quick skill or two, see all that we have to offer. 
In addition to connecting businesses, the Portage County Business Council provides networking opportunities for the next generation of community leaders through Ignite Young Professionals. To learn more about Ignite, visit portagecountybiz.com. That's biz with a Z. Now, let's hear more of the story of key mobility from Doug. As you're talking, I could, you know, as, as you talk more, I can hear and feel the passion that you have for what you do, which is awesome. How did, how has your vision changed from, you know, when you and Murray first were building the, the wheelchairs and in the barns and, and the garages and maybe at different points along the way, how has your vision for where you want the company to be? How, how maybe has that been impacted or changed? As we've time has passed and as we've continued to be successful, what we can be continues to move with that, right? How, how big can we be? How good can we be? Can we be number one? Where all we wanted to do in the beginning was get through the year and survive, right? Now it's like, well, can we be number one in North America? Which we think we can, and that's what our plan is. And then at some time in the not too distant future, it's like, can we be number one in the world? So um, I think we've outgrown the fact that we could never do it it's now, what are we going to do and what's, the, what's it going to take to do it? So my first experience with key mobility was driving down the interstate and all of a sudden there's a giant building that's being put up. And I'm like, where did this building come from? Where did this company come from? It seemed that all of a sudden you were suddenly here. So tell us a, a little bit about your current manufacturing facility. And, and I hear that all the time. It's like, yeah, we've, we spent 20 years to be an overnight success. <laughs> As you get to a certain size, the availability of lease space starts to just, there's not that availability. We're not a high-profile business that the people in, in the community would know about. So we've, we felt that we wanted to have the ability to brand our business for hiring and hiring people, right? So that people who would say, what's key mobility? And then if they're looking for a job and they see an ad from us, they now connect it to the big building. Oh, well, they're a big, big building. There must be a, you know, a lot going on in there. So getting the opportunity to, to buy the, um, the land um, from the Hofmeisters, uh, Spectraprint, uh, was really perfect for us and uh, positioned us right there against the highway and I mean, if we had an on-ramp coming right into our parking lot, it would have helped, but uh, probably not. You know, and we've added on to that building since we built it. Probably need to add on in, in 2021. People uh, who are listening, they may not understand the patent process. Tell us a bit about your patent process and how many products you have, why that's been so important and valuable. You might know from our website that our first product was patented, um, and it's a, it was in a very important patent for us. And it's a global patent. We actually have a couple of patents on our first product. So, you know, you, you don't patent the product. You patent uh, a part of it, a, a way something works. It could be a design. It could be the utility of a device within that patent. Um, so when, when, you, when we invent new ways of doing things that we think are better, I mean, it's, we want to protect that because if everybody can copy it every time you... You know, we come up with something new if 12 months later the 
you know, someone else is, is copying it. But it takes a long time. I mean, it's a couple of year process for the patent office to review the patent, to say what they do or they don't like about it. There's always a give and take when you submit, a, when you file for a patent. And yeah, I think on average it's two to three years. What was your first patent? Was it on? It was on an extensible folding mechanism on a wheelchair. The The length of the cross braces changed their length, which allowed it to lock out, but still be able to fold. We'd get into some very complicated geometry, especially without looking at something yeah. over the radio to yeah. try to explain yeah, how so that so works. So check it out. On the <laughs> I told you we needed to have a whiteboard on this <laughs> podcast. Better by design. It's a great tagline, but it seems to be more than that. So tell us just a little bit about the kind of company profile or the company culture that you've helped to create. Well, better by design uh, on the surface to the average person is about product design. And uh, we did, you know, we believe that our products are better because we designed them better. But when we came up with the tagline, it wasn't just the products. We do a lot of things differently than traditional businesses. I mean, the business of 1920 isn't the business of 1980, and the business of 1980 isn't necessarily the way to do business in 2020. So um, taking advantage of the changes in, uh, in what's available, whether, whether or not it would be uh, computer and, and software, um, taking advantage of the education level of the people who work there. Um, we we ask more of our of our people than they did a couple generations ago. We we automated systems, so we just we don't do it just because that's the way people do it. What would make the most sense, and how do we how do we help that? So one of the things I mentioned is, you know, it's very common and might even be true here when people call in, they come get an automated attendant who says, if you want to speak to this person or you want to go to that function, press one and then one, and then you get there and it gives you a bunch of other choices. But the person who is on the road and needs their problem answered doesn't want to go through that. So they call in and someone answers the call. And that someone is someone who can answer their question not just someone who's rerouting them to somewhere else. So that's something that we consciously do different than most businesses. Um, production builds a wheelchair and then people get their wheelchair and that's not what they wanted. But in our perspective, having a product, having good quality means that the person who got the chair, it's what they expected to get when they got it. It has nothing to do with, is it plus or minus a thousandth or, or all the colors exactly the same. It's, it's exactly what I expected to get. I'm thrilled. So we put a lot of effort into, into making sure that the product we ship is exactly what that customer asked us to ship. So the customer can't come and inspect the chair. So our customer service team inspects the chair. And, uh, you know, it's not someone on the end of the production line saying this is good to go. It doesn't go until our inspectors say it's good to go. And, and they're inspecting it against what the customer asked for not against our own internal work ticket. For your clients in particular, it's not just about a better purchasing experience or a better user experience. For them, it's a better life. One of the challenges for any business is, what am I doing? What difference am I doing? How am I improving the world You know, when I'm 
nailing this nail into this wire onto this thing, right? Um, uh, it, it's a challenge for business to make it meaningful, to give purpose to people's lives. Well, we're fortunate in that providing mobility to help people who can't walk on their own to be able to move around in their world and move around effectively is truly a very profound feeling. You mentioned earlier that initially your goal was to exist and then to grow and then to be number one. But we also see that you've expanded beyond the U.S. market. And now you're in how many other global markets? We're in 48 countries 48 me, at countries. this point. Yeah. <laughs> we have uh, our, own, uh, our own businesses in Canada and in the U.K. and in Portugal. Is all the manufacturing still here, or are you manufacturing elsewhere? Uh, we do some manufacturing in Canada, hmm. yeah. Um, but generally speaking here, there'll be a time in the not-too-distant future where we'll need to be manufacturing in Europe. Europeans are just as demanding as Americans, and they don't want to wait eight weeks and pay a lot of freight for it to get over there. So, you know, setting up a factory over there so that they can get it in just a few days. Because, you know, we make these chairs custom-ordered, but we ship them in three to five days. So it doesn't take very long. Wait, so wait, wait a second. So I can place an order and it's it's out the door in five days? That sounds incredible. How do you make that happen so fast? Um, well, a lot of planning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and putting processes in place that are designed to be able to, to do that. If you say, we need to build this chair in, in five days, then, you know, the creative manufacturing engineering people build a line that that will enable it to do that. Now you have to compromise in some other places, right? You, you're, you're spending more money than if you said, I need to do it in three weeks. You could, you could do it cheaper in three weeks. Um, but it's more important when, once people have decided that's the chair they want, they want that chair fast. Is it, is it better, is it better to say you, you produce customized, individualized or personalized wheelchairs? Um, what, term or not, what term do you use? I'm just curious. We use configured. Configured. So individually configured. Individually configured. Okay. Because whenever someone asks me about key, I always, I always stumble at that moment. But so I like the way you say There's it. a lot of different options, right? Every, I don't even know. There's probably maybe 40 different places you have choice. And so every one of the choices has anywhere from three to eight, ten different picks. So on our on our most popular chair, there's you know six quintillion different combinations. Wait, you got to repeat that. Six quintillion. That's twenty zeros. <laughs> wow. So the you know as that chair goes down the line, they they need to be able to build those different configurations. Um, so if you think about a taco at Taco Bell. Right. And that was one of the first forms of of that mass customization. And they take the shell, they take a little bit of burger, a little bit of cheese, a little bit of this. Right. So they can make all of the different things from this same six bins and a few different tortilla types. And they just depending on what you're ordering, they put them together and they and they give it to you. Right. So it's the same thing, except. A lot more than six bins. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for Key Mobility? 
Well, we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of new product development going on. I don't want to say a benefit of COVID, but we've folk during COVID, we've invested a lot in the research and development part of our business. We hired a lot of engineers over the last year, both software and mechanical, and um, invested a lot in the new product development process. We've got four new products planned to come out this year and two or three next year. Uh, and that's a lot. Normally, we only have maybe one new big new product a year. So to have seven in two years is is a challenge. But, I mean, I think the organization's ready for it. We've been working on it and planning for it and prepping for it. So a lot of good things to come. A lot, a lot of going to need a lot more people. If, you're, if your audience is people looking for work, we're, we're going to be hiring a lot. And but you raise, you raise such a good point with, you know, people, people need to and want to work, but working for a business that where they can see that the product makes a difference in changing a, a life and, and someone's mobility just really adds, adds a lot to that. We want to not just be a place to go to work, but have them be part of the solution, part of our, our uh, contribution to the world. Uh, hopefully that they, you know, they, they find that when they get there. Is this the type of business you pictured yourself creating back in college? Uh, a wheelchair business. Whoever, you know, I, every, when we have new employee orientation, I, I spend some time with them. I go over our values, and we have a big banner in the factory with our values on it. It's a bit of a declaration of independence. We the people. And everybody signs it. But so I'm talking to them, and I like I just try to get them comfortable and... You know, I'm sure none of you ever thought you would be in the wheelchair business. I'm pretty sure that nobody who's ever worked here ever thought that they were going to be in the wheelchair business. I didn't, right? Who? I'm in sixth grade and you say, I'm going to grow up and be in the wheelchair business, right? It's just not someone's dream. <laughs> but, you know, things migrate and morph and, and here we are and, you know, but think about it. You have a chance to impact someone's life positively. That's not something you get to do if you're you're working in the grocery store or the hardware store or, you know, you're mailing envelopes. I mean, you're putting together a chair that gives somebody mobility. And so it's, you know, it, it should mean something. It does to them. Thank you for listening to Profile, Central Wisconsin. Special thanks to Doug Muncy from Key Mobility and to Todd Kukan for joining me in this conversation. Profile is a production of Mid-State Technical College out of the Stevens Point campus. To learn more about Mid-State Technical College, go to mstc.edu or follow us on Facebook. Mid-State offers an associate degree in manufacturing operations management. This program trains students to become managers and floor leaders in manufacturing facilities. Their job is to mandate policies and rules to maintain production value and ensure that everyone and everything operates smoothly and efficiently, just like key mobility. To learn more about the Portage County Business Council and everything they're doing to connect and grow our business community, visit portagecountybiz.com. That's biz with a Z. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume your audio media. You can also just ask your smart device to play the Profile Central Wisconsin podcast to hear the latest episode. 
It's the mission of Mid-State Technical College to transform lives through the power of teaching and learning. Help us work toward that goal by sharing the story. Thanks for listening.